Welcome to the Hills. All of you watching online in person at North Richmond Hills, at Keller, at West Fort Worth. All of you in Dallas helping to start our campus there. So glad you're with us. It's Thanksgiving season, and I am full of Thanksgiving for so many reasons. But uh, today especially, thank all of you who have already donated to our harvest offering. We're off to our best start ever. And I know many of you are going to be giving in the near future, and I have no doubt we're going to... Uh, exceed our goal this year as we typically do. So let me uh, just say thank you for believing in and investing in the mission of this church. Now, I know a lot of you are about to hit the road to celebrate the holidays with family. Uh, My wife and I are going to stay home. We're at that stage of life now where people come to our house. And we like that because for one reason, I love my house. I have lived in my house now for 34 years. It's the house we moved into when we came to this church. We've thought about moving a time or two, but the truth is I love my house because I love where my house is. Let me explain. Two miles east of my house, there is a (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Two miles west of my house, there is a (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Two miles north of my house, there is a Chick-fil-A. And if you go south of my house on the way to my office, I drive past a Chick-fil-A. My house is in the promised land. (laughs) Now, you may not like Chick-fil-A, but I will tell you probably the only organizations that get more of my money than Chick-fil-A are this church and the federal government. (laughs) So a few months ago, I had a delightful experience. I was having breakfast at Chick-fil-A. And as I was leaving, I saw an employee, uh, a young lady in a Chick-fil-A uniform coming from the parking lot. And I rushed and I opened the door for her. She said, thank you. And I said, my pleasure. (laughs) Day made. You see, I like the food, but I think what I like even more is the culture they've created. I don't know any other restaurant franchise that's created such a culture. It's a pleasure to be in an environment where my pleasure is normal. And just as noticeable as a context where thankless giving is the norm. So I shared with you uh, earlier this year that my father passed away last February after about a three-year journey with dementia. And many of you understand what I'm about to say. It was a really hard journey. It's a terrible disease, and it changed my father. And I'll be honest, his last few years, he became gruff, hard to please, sometimes unkind. And understand, I'm talking about the disease, not about my father. And so, Jamie And myself and my brother Mark and my sister-in-law Debbie were determined we were not going to let the disease keep us from giving my father the honor he was due. And so we did our best these last three years to consistently honor my father. And I feel like we did, but I'm not going to lie. It was hard. And so since I was in that season, and I didn't know if it was going to last for months or years, I began to pray, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this season? And I feel like the Spirit revealed two truths to me that have been impactful. One thing I learned in the last years of my dad's life 
is that the Holy Spirit is faithful to supply the power I need to do the right thing, even if it's hard. And I'm thankful I learned that truth. But the Spirit revealed another truth to me. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The Spirit revealed that while I really do want to be selfless, I really do like to be appreciated for being selfless. (laughs) And I wasn't. I want to do the good thing. And I want someone to appreciate that I tried to do the good thing. And my father rarely did. You been there? Even when we serve with good motives, it feels good for our service to be noticed. But the reality is that all of us are frequently denied the opportunity to say, my pleasure. Like the little boy invited to a friend's birthday party and his mother said, you be sure and thank the mama when you leave for inviting you to this party. So when he came home, his mother said, did you thank the mother? No, I didn't. Why not? I told you to. He said, mama, I was going to, but the little girl in front of me thanked her and the mama said, don't mention it. So I didn't. And isn't that how life often happens? People just don't mention it. That instead of being thanks givers, they often become thanks holders. Because here's the reality. Thanksgiving is not a given. And so this time of year, pastors all over America preach a sermon about how you should be thankful. The importance of expressing thanks. This is not that sermon. This is a sermon you probably have never heard. This is a sermon about the importance of giving grace when you don't get thanked. God put this uh, sermon on my heart reading Luke 17 back in August. And I want to flip a familiar text that's often preached this time of year and give you a new way to think about it. So in Luke 17, starting in verse 11, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. Why? Because if you had leprosy, you were deemed unclean. And one of the tragedies was you were ostracized from society. You couldn't be near people. They had to shout to try to get the attention of Jesus because they couldn't get close to him. So they call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Why the priest? Why not a doctor? Well, in that culture, if you were deemed unclean, a doctor could diagnose that you were well, but only a priest could declare that you were now clean. To enter back into society, no matter how well they were, they had to have a priest say, you are clean now. So notice, as they went, they started the trip as lepers. But it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Could you imagine, you're walking and you are literally seeing a miracle take place in your skin. 
You are literally receiving the power of God in your body as you take steps. It says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Why can't he do that? He's clean now. He can touch people again. And it says he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, Dr. Luke says at the start of the gospel, I did my research. I checked sources. I went to lots of people. I gathered lots of stories about Jesus. And don't you know, when he heard this story, he thought, I got to write this one down. And no doubt, I'm assuming all 10 men really appreciated being cleansed. But only one man turned feeling grateful into being thankful. And typically, that is the application of this text, understandably so. And so this time of year, pastors all over America are saying, be like the Samaritan. But today, I want to focus on being like Jesus. In other words, how should we respond when others don't respond with the gratitude that we are due? You see, Jesus deserved to be thanked. Jesus expected to be thanked. Now, Jesus didn't need you to tell him he was a good guy. His need for affirmation was absent, but he noticed when it wasn't present. That's a big part of this story. Jesus noticed that he didn't get the thanks he was due. So, because we know that Jesus was without sin, one of the first things we learn is it is possible to notice that you don't get appreciated like you ought to be without becoming bitter or calloused or resentful. But it's not easy. It's not easy to be like Jesus when people don't give you the thanks you're due. And we're about to enter a season we call the holidays. There's a lot of joy and there is a lot of stress. There's going to be extra demands on all of us. And it's not if, it's when you don't get appreciated. When you get taken for granted. When you feel like someone used you. Are you going to be like Jesus? Because it's not easy. So I want to help with three big ideas to remember. Here's the first. That God's affirmation is more important than anyone's appreciation. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, Jesus said we're salt and light. And that we should shine so that people see our good deeds. And glorify our Father in heaven. So the problem is not that we do things and they get noticed. But the problem comes when we start doing things expecting to get noticed. 
Jesus said of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, they do good things. He acknowledged they do a lot of good things. But notice, so that other people will see them. Can we be honest? We live in a culture where it has never been so easy to make sure people see the good things you do. It is easy and it is addictive. Brother James, in his little letter, one of his best-known lines is, be quick to uh, listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I think if he wrote today, he might say, be quick to listen, slow to post, and slow to get angry. (laughs) Because you know you care when you don't care if someone else knows about it. And so Jesus said in Matthew 6, chapter 5, he said, now do good things to be seen to give glory to God. But in chapter 6, be careful when you do good things, don't do them in front of people to be seen by them. Your father can see what is done in secret and he will reward you. You're doing well when God's well done is enough for you. So let's imagine that you are a billionaire. I know it's a leap, but just to pretend you're a billionaire and you're in New York City and you've got to go to an event a few blocks away, but it's horrible weather. You don't want to walk, so you take a cab, just a few blocks. And it's a $12 fare. You look in your wallet, you have three $20 bills. So you give the cab driver a $20 bill, say, keep the change. Then that night you pull your wallet out and look, and there's just one $20 bill. What happened to my other $20 bill? Did I drop it on the sidewalk? Did I mistakenly give that cab driver two $20 bills? Are you going to be upset? Are you going to fret? Are you going to walk up and down the cold streets looking for your $20? Are you going to call the cab company and say, I gave your driver too much money and I want it back? Are you crazy? You are a billionaire. Have you forgotten how rich you are? When you don't get the thanks you were due and you fret and you turn and you toss and you sulk, Have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten your status with the Father? You are a son and daughter of the King. You are an heir of an inheritance that cannot perish, soil, or fade. You are the recipient of eternal riches. And somebody's failure to recognize your worth doesn't diminish your value. Yes. You might notice that you didn't get the thanks you were due. Even Jesus did. But Jesus drew his satisfaction from God's affection. Be like Jesus. Because the reality is thanksgiving is not a given. And there's a reason for that I'm going to go into now. I think it's true of life. And you're going to agree when you hear it. Here we go. That those you serve most consistently tend to say thanks most infrequently. This is how life works. It's a truth about human nature. What we regularly anticipate, we rarely celebrate. And the more a selfless act is expected the more people start to feel entitled to it. I mentioned one of the gifts my father gave my brother and I was the game of golf. And we spent hundreds of hours playing golf with our dad. We would play on Saturdays. 
my brother, my father. Great memories. You know where my mom was? My mother worked five days a week saving money so we could be sent to college. She spent her Saturday, her day off at home cleaning the house and doing the laundry and going to the grocery store and preparing meals. So when my brother and I came home from a day of golf with dad, did we come into the house and say, mom, you are a saint. Please give me three things I can do right now to honor you. No, we just expected it. Mom, what's for supper? By the way, when I get to heaven, that's one of the first things I will apologize for. But here is the truth. You know you're good at something when you stop getting compliments for it. When you do anything consistently and with excellence, the longer you do it, the less you get thanked for it. Because people have just come to expect it. You're good at selling. You're good at cooking. You're good at teaching. You're good at caregiving. You're good at managing. And the longer you do it well, the less people let you know. And before you feel too sorry for yourself, stop and ask yourself, who are some of the people who serve you so consistently that it's easy to overlook their selflessness? What about school teachers? Do you think those lesson plans just show up every day by magic? What about police officers? who consistently, regardless of weather and other factors, are available to serve us? What about restaurant employees? Or the next time the electricity goes out in a terrible storm, are you thanking God for those men and women that get out there and climb poles and dig holes in that horrible weather? Or do you stay home and fuss because the power's not on yet? Or what about custodians? How many of us every week walk into clean buildings that we just expect it to be that way? What about church leaders? Paul wrote to the church in Thessaloniki with these words. We ask you to appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and teach you. Respect them with a very special love because of the work they do. Now, I hope that got on the audio. Why did Paul mention it? Why did he feel compelled to mention, be sure to thank your church leaders? He mentioned it because he knows after a while, most church people don't. We just take for granted every week that somebody behind the scenes is doing something so that church is available to bless us. I love how it says in the message, overwhelm them with appreciation and love. This is what church leaders are do. But that should not be why they do what they do. I try to teach young ministers 
Never allow the amount of thanks you get to determine the amount of joy you will have. Because Thanksgiving is not a given. So I've told you before, one of the great ministry days of my life was my very first day. I graduated from college. I have a degree now. My first job was an internship at a church. I'm ready to take on the world. My first day, I go see the preacher. What do you want me to do? He took me into the auditorium. Back in those days, you didn't text new. You filled out a card that you were present. He handed me a pencil sharpener. He said, the pencils in here need to be sharpened. There were like 800 pencils in that room. <laughs> Literally. And I started sharpening pencils with a terrible attitude. What a waste of talent. Who's going to even notice? Nobody's going to walk into church next Sunday and say, what a sharp pencil. I need to find somebody to thank. But then the Spirit began to impress upon me this thought. If you can't do something small for God with joy, why should he let you do something bigger? And I decided I was going to sharpen pencils to the glory of God. And I thank God for that day. The day that God sharpened me. Because he made me ask this question. Am I going to do ministry as praise or to get praise and I know I've done well when only one well done matters and it will come the Hebrew writer said in chapter 6 God is fair he will not forget the work you did and the love you showed him by helping his people and he will remember that you were still helping them that what impresses God is when we do the right thing because it is the right thing, even if nobody else is impressed. That's the last big idea. That what others fail to recognize never goes unnoticed by God. In fact, sometimes what is least visible to men is most valuable to God. May I suggest that some of the things that have made God most grateful, you were never thanked for. All the things you've done in your life to strengthen your character, the time you have spent in your prayer closet, your commitment to tithe when your finances were tight. To go over and beyond for a harvest offering to bless missionaries and church planters. Seeing someone at church knowing they're a stranger and making it your mission to make sure they felt welcome that day. Calling a shut-in. Being in a situation where it would be to your advantage to lie and no one would ever know it. But you didn't compromise your integrity. Praising God when the healing does not come. No one will ever say thank you for those things. But what earth ignores, heaven adores. Earlier this year, my wife and I got to enjoy a few days in the mountains of Colorado for a vacation. I was taking a hike one day, and I noticed around me thousands of gorgeous tiny little yellow and white flowers they were everywhere and then I looked up and I saw into the mountains this scene of 
and I realized there's no hiking trails up there. There must be millions of these gorgeous flowers up there. And what a shame that nobody notices them. And then immediately the Spirit impressed upon me. Somebody sees them. God enjoys them. They are bringing him glory, doing exactly what he designed them to do. Even if it's just for a short time, they were noticed. God doesn't remember our sins, but he promises to remember our service. In fact, sometimes God remembers when we don't. I got a delight about a year ago. Someone sent me this letter, and if you'll look close, you'll notice it's my handwriting. I wrote this letter. I was a brand new preacher. I got invited to some event with veteran preachers. I was intimidated. I didn't feel like I belonged. I showed up, and there was an older preacher that made a point to go find me and help me feel welcome. So I wrote a note, and I thanked him. No big deal. I don't remember it. I've written hundreds of these notes, but it must have been a big deal to him. He kept it over 40 years. When he passed and his family was going through his papers, they found this note he had kept and sent it back to me. And the thought came to me, will that be how it is with our father? That he's remembered all the little things you did that you've forgotten. Oh, I so delighted when you did that. It brought me so much joy when you served them. I was so thrilled when you made that choice. And it's enough to know that God knows. And why does God know? Well, let Jesus explain in his own words. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. An author named Karen Weiss wrote in Real Simple Magazine about an experience where she took some teenagers from her church to the inner city to serve in a food bank, mainly giving meals to homeless men. And she admitted the whole atmosphere was awkward that day. So when they were through and were going back to their church building, she asked the teenagers to reflect upon the day. And there was awkward silence. And finally, one young girl said, I didn't like it. I thought they would be more grateful. And Karen cringed because she had the exact same thought. But then she reflected, how would I feel if I was one of the men in that line? And she wrote, what was it like to accept a plate full of charity from a bunch of suburban teenagers who were dabbling in do-gooding? Then heading back to warm beds and well-stocked refrigerators, if I had been in their shoes, would I really have been making small talk? It was during the holidays, and so she continued, I still catch myself wishing for magic moments of gratitude this time of year. I treasure volunteer experiences where I feel like I've made a difference, but overall I've moved the bar. Now I feel that not making someone feel worse on a particular day qualifies as a victory. And even if I occasionally forget, deep down I know, the best gift I can give as a volunteer, generosity devoid of expectation. 
So Jesus healed 10 lepers. And only one gave him the thanks he was due. Jesus did not stoop. He did not moan. He did not curse. He doesn't say, that's it. I'm not healing any more people if this is how people are going to act. He just kept on doing the right thing, whether anyone noticed or not. He loved others out of the overflow of God's love for him. Let's be like Jesus. Let's serve out of our blessing, not to get a blessing. Or to put it more simply, let's give because we're thankful not to get thanked. Let's give no strings attached because we want to be like Jesus. In fact, let's practice what I'm preaching. Every campus now, West Fort Worth, Keller, Dallas, North Richard, stand up. For the next two minutes, you have an assignment. Let somebody around you know you don't take them for granted. They could be sitting next to you. They could be across the room. Maybe you need to get out your phone and text somebody. You've got two minutes to let somebody know I'm not taking you for granted. Turn your attention this way. It's beautiful to see what I'm seeing right now and hear what I'm hearing. And you know what? We could do this every Sunday. This is how we could start every service, and this is how we could leave every service, just letting people know I don't take you for granted. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to give you a gift while we sing it, a chance to get closer to Jesus. Because we don't live trying to be thanked. We live out of our thankfulness. We're thankful to a God who became like us. A God who came to us. A God who died for us. A God who's coming 
to get us. We live out of that thanksgiving. And if you've never identified with that God through baptism, literally connecting to his death and resurrection, you need to do that. We had someone do it in the last service. It was so cool. They watch us online in Ohio. And they came down to Texas to see family and said, I want to get baptized. And so they were baptized. And I'm just believing right now someone's listening to my voice and God's prompting you to make that same decision. This is a great day to be baptized. Another gift we give is prayer. The season we're about to enter in is heavy for many people. Let's lift it up to God together. If you're on a prayer team, please take your places around this building. We're going to sing this song together. We're going to offer the gift of prayer. We'd love to welcome someone to come today and get baptized while we give thanks to God.